Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. He's like, and she's like, and he's like, so beautiful. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins. Joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hello! And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Yo! <laughs> all right, all right. You know what? A crazy-ass movie came out last weekend. Mm-hmm. Crazy-ass. Mm-hmm. Fucking James Wan, man, in this malignant movie <laughs> is fucking bonkers. <laughs> it's fucking insane. And it's a joy to watch. It really is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's because James Wan, I think James Wan has a style um, and uh, he's become one of our, I think he's become one of our best directors that we have uh, in these days. Now, I don't think he's ever come out with like an absolute masterpiece. I think a lot of people might think The Conjuring is there. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, But I, I don't think he's ever come out with that like, boy, that right there, that is just a, just a slam dunk. But in within the genres that he inhabits usually horror movies he's really good at it mm-hmm. um he's really good at w- knowing how to use his camera to to uh to get you into a sense of unease and everything but yeah this movie malignant came out and a lot of us saw it over the weekend uh it was a it was kind of a viral type of thing like it where, really was yeah yeah, yeah. Cause I, I said something about watching it and then Jonathan watched it and then Barrett was like, I'll watch it too. Fuck it. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, we started talking about the, the, you know, the merits of the movie and the, the relative unmerits, I don't know the flaws, <laughs> uh, of the movie. And, uh, and you know, there's that awesome, like uh three story one shot where yeah. uh, Annabelle Wallace is running through the house and, uh and the ending has is fucking great without giving any spoilers for the ending of this movie is fucking great <laughs> it's also part of this bonkers thing right it sure is and, and a movie called cop shop is coming out this weekend which is guaranteed to be insane mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because gerard butler is in it and gerard <laughs> butler is n- in nothing but batching insane movies these days yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. and uh and so uh inspired by these two movies that have come out in september no surprise um uh we thought that we'd talk about other kinds of bonkers movies that have come out over the years and just kind of talk about their general uh bonkersness i guess <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun because you know what it, when i watched malignant and i was uh looking at uh the trailer for cop shop which i haven't seen cop shop none of us have it may be the worst movie of all time, but it looks insane. And mm-hmm. so I was thinking about batshit insane movies uh, that aren't necessarily good, not necessarily great, but the ones that we go back to because they're just, they just go for whatever 
they're going for. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate the shit out of these. Now, some there's a lot of overlap uh, of cult movies, right? A lot of cult movies go for it to varying de- degrees of success. But mm-hmm. these are just batshit insane movies. We're going to leave a few off on here. There's a lot of horror movies that go for crazy shit, okay, that we're not going to get to. There's a lot of absurdist comedies that go for it, that some of which we'll cover. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, But these are the ones that really stick out as... Just ones that really hit you out of nowhere. Like, are you serious? Oh, oh, oh. That's <laughs> it's the almost subtitles like there's this whole thing. Like, no studio interference whatsoever. Like, they don't give a fuck. It's sunk cost at this point. They're yeah. just like, uh, they're like, all right, we're making this stupid ass movie. You just do whatever you want to. And that's what they do. So, yes. um, uh, and, and they never have any notes for these people. They're just like, just, just fucking make it and let's come out with it and let's get it, let's just get it on video already. And that's what it seems like malignant was. And, and mm. we, as we were going back and forth on Slack, James Wan has built up so much. I mean, he's made so much money for the studios over the years that, you know, I, I think, especially after Aquaman, that, uh, mm. that he was kind of given carte blanche on this movie and he thinks so too he did what he wanted to do uh i didn't even love this movie i just enjoyed the experience of watching it <laughs> and uh and i appreciated this movie and those are those are uh that's good stuff it, this was a day and date thing by the way you can watch it on hbo max uh or go to theaters uh to see mm. it but uh it'd be a recommend if you're in the mood for a crazy crazy movie yeah uh so barrett you wrote a whole bunch of uh, movies down here and you're right i want to i want to make this clear right off the bat that we're not doing a comprehensive all-time crazy bonkers movie thing he he, barrett's mentioned this and there's plenty of horror movies that you could have picked out of this especially from the 80s and especially a movie called chopping mall but that's all we've got. We we're not going to do every single one of those. It's just stuff that came to came to our mind. Chopping and Mall. Yeah, there's a movie called Chopping Mall. Yeah, um, uh, it's about killer robots at a at a mall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, twenty minutes on that shit. You could. You could. <laughs> um, I'm sure Jonathan has seen that movie five times. Um, all right. So, uh, you mentioned Malignant. All right. The next one under the, under the list is MacGruber. <laughs> Listen, Jeremy had Jeremy was the first, I think, of all of my friends to really go all in on this movie, and I I kind of kind of pushed back a little bit. I was like, eh, no, dumb, dumb. I'd seen it once, went back now twice. This movie's fucking brilliant, man. This movie's so good. Everybody is so fucking good in this movie. And it's got quotes out the ass. It is every bit as good as the the most quoted Will Ferrell movie of all time. It's so good. Yeah, man. It's uh I think it's good because not all these movies we're gonna talk about today are even good, but few of them are good because of how batshit insane they are. Uh, but this just this just started with a sketch on SNL that was batshit insane. It was basically MacGyver, only he's terrible. Um, <laughs> and a lot of SNL movies just take that skit concept and throw $50 million at it and make it look slick and pad it out. And it's the, it's the same joke as the skit. Uh, this is not that at all. Uh, they took the skit and 
they fed it crack cocaine mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. acid and some noble gases and <laughs> yep. other various uh, ingredients that just it took everything to the extreme. Like everything about this guy is extreme. Like the, the anger he gets at that one car that cuts him off. So he memorizes the license plate. And then later you find out he's written that license plate a thousand and fifty two times in this notebook <laughs> because he's so angry. And then that like that's not enough. Then he finds the car again <laughs> while he's on a conversation with his boss and just casually beats the shit out of the car <laughs> without talking about it. Um, I adore this movie because it's so bonkers. If it had been played even a little bit straighter it would not have the magic it does it has to be over the top like fucking when you meet val kilmer's character he's painting a portrait of a naked huge woman like (laughs) older elderly and and he's encouraging his assistant to spritz more water on her and it's immediately like bond villain ramped up in directions austin powers would never dare go he goes Um, he goes wet her (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he spritzes something and he's like more and he more. spritzes more <laughs> <laughs> and of course the portrait that he's painting looks nothing like nothing, this nothing like her <clears throat> um, I, I watched this movie the night before it came out I was at uh, Hollywood 27 when this came out and watched it with two other people and we had a miserable experience now I don't know if it's because the collective three of us, like if there's just one downer in a, in a, in a crowd, it may make everything that you might find the least bit funny, like suddenly becomes terrible or whatever. I don't know how this would have been if it was under the usual circumstance, if I had watched this by myself, um, because I like that opening thing where like they're doing that eighties song and everything. And the, the, the saxophone player comes in and, and, <laughs> and, and, and all that. But I really love that part. He, he, he fucks both Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph in this movie. And like, and like, there's the, you know, there's like, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to fucking shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and he's i think what is it maya rudolph who's the ghost yes. or whatever yeah. maya rudolph's yeah. a ghost yeah. and, and so i think they like they it, is it is there at some point where the camera is uh like uh, like a far away and you see that he's not fucking anything yeah, it's, he's just, there's a grave attendant like <laughs> some guy with a shovel or something and it shows you his pov and that's the only time that you don't see Maya Rudolph, and it's just his fucking Will Forte's <laughs> naked ass thrusting on top of a oh, grave the and he's grunting. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because before the uh, the Kristen Wiig scene, you know, he starts off with <laughs> they start to kiss, and she's like, "I'm a virgin." He's like, "Not for long." <laughs> <laughs> well, she's like, she's like sewing up a gunshot wound. Yeah, and and he's, he's like, just leave it open. I like holes. <laughs> <laughs> but then it goes into this like sensual sex scene with like sweat dripping off his ass and everything. And then it cuts to the reality where he's like, <laughs> and then when he fucks Maya Rudolph and the ghost, he's like, and she's like, and he's like, <laughs> so beautiful, so beautiful. Oh, I gotta watch this movie again. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I recently uh, got the Blu-ray of this, so I'm gonna have to watch it. Uh, uh, and I'll tell you what, Ryan Phillippe, he's game. Powers Booth, mm-hmm. he's game. Uh, Val Kilmer the... is as funny as 
as he was as Gay Perry and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, just yeah. in a different type of role. Uh, everybody's mm-hmm. having a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, next on the list, oh, and this is this is like Hall of Fame bonkers. Is Face Off? Oh Jesus, yeah. You know when you watch a movie, sometimes you're just like you just get a, go along with it. You know this is this is Face Off to me. You go along with it. It's like oh, there's this technology where you can switch faces. Great, you know. Um, but when you write down the plot of this movie, <laughs> that's where you realize, oh, oh, oh. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> the, I mean, Nick, this is when I think people are finally getting introduced to insane Nicolas Cage. Like, he had done a lot of stuff before this that was insane. Mm-hmm. But not not many people knew of those. This is where he brought it mainstream. And especially at the very beginning where he's dressed up as that priest and he's like doing that fucking dance while the, 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 the Catholic choir singing and all that. And he, and he goes over behind the girl singing and and everything. And he's like, of course he's, you know, touching her and everything. And he's got that wild look in his eyes. And of course the fucking name Castor Troy is an insane name. Um, Castor Troy. Castor Troy. They, I mean, this movie's so bonkers that by the end of it, when they adopt the kid and 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 just they just they basically steal the kid. They steal the there's kid. There's no, yeah. There's no adoption to this or anything. Just brings him home. Yeah, just brings him home and says, "Welcome to the family." Um, <laughs> this little face wipe. God. Yep. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's yeah. That so that scene, the the wildest scene to me. This is. The wildest scene is that Papa's got a brand new bag where he's like smoking a cigarette, checking out the daughter in her underwear. Oh, yeah. It's skeezy. Like, Mm -hmm. how did no, that's the skeeziest thing in the whole movie. How did no one go, this scene is kind of uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Uh, We should cut this scene and just do more face wiping. Um, Nobody, John Woo said, I'm not cutting anything in this yep. movie i'm just gonna yep. let it let it go do you yep. think this could have benefited more by having cage play the travolta role and travolta mm. playing the cage role okay i thought about this a lot I've oh thought yeah about this a lot mm-hmm. uh yes presumably yes it, it 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 could have been switched right especially because this was kind of still when travolta was playing villains mostly even vincent vega is a bad guy uh mm-hmm. even though he's the protagonist uh but you know broken arrow and all that shit mm-hmm. um and so you know they both ostensibly get the the chance to play the villain but i think cage being sean archer being caster troy is really the only way to play it because he's got to get into those mannerisms towards the end especially when he's on no more drugs for this man you know that that thing mm-hmm. i want to take yeah. his face off I couldn't see Travolta doing that mm-hmm. as Caster Troy That's true. Uh, later on. So, so I think it's the best of both worlds. Uh, Travolta does get to play the villain. Uh, he is way over the top, but he, it's like they're trying to over the top each other. And God yeah. bless them. I'm so glad they did uh, because that's the only reason this movie is watchable. Here's Man. what I think. I'm oh, sorry, Chris. No, I was uh, just going to insert the fact that I just think that you get more cage insanity if if it's the roles are reversed. You're right. Mm. You're right. Mm. You're right. Mm. So, You're right because cage you don't has get to that pretend. Face off. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the movie would benefit greatly from being set 50 or 100 years in the future instead of present day. I think if you total recall like this that. and set it way in the future, it's way less ridiculous that they swap faces. Uh, but setting it in modern day, it just makes it stupid, like mm. flat out <laughs> stupid. And then everything else starts to show through. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I think if they'd have Philip K. Dicked it, and uh, <laughs> kicked it up a few a few decades um, because needs there's a, a lot of needs like a good dicking. <laughs> it's a good dicking. Yeah, like if you if you take good dicking. if you take Gattaca for instance, ah, and yes. you set it in present day, and you talk about cutting someone's legs and inserting extra inches so they're a little bit t- like it's stupid, mm, it's right. dumb. But mm-hmm. setting it in the future, you don't bat much of an eye at that, and you're able to focus more on the societal issues the movie is actually trying to talk about uh, in that context. So that's what's always bugged me about Face Off, is that it's it's set in modern day, but none of it matches modern day anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, or cartoon. Yeah. You make it a cartoon, I think that also... Mm-hmm. But, but at the, I do... Uh, I, do I do love that shot, though. The... Uh, at the mirror and, and oh they, yeah and and they turn around and face basically who they are yeah uh, uh it's a fuck that's a fucking master class uh, uh putting putting that thing in your movie yeah uh realizing what your movie is uh yeah. really um and uh, uh i love that um uh but yeah man face off so fun <laughs> it's it's impossible movie. to describe this movie like yeah. if you if you were to say like um, what's face off about? And like, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember. Um, I'm trying to remember what the what was the what's the incident that makes them uh, makes him decide that he's going to be uh, Caster Troy because Caster Troy Caster Troy turns into him right first. Yeah, no, uh, it's the other way around. So uh, yeah. he actually kills Sean kills Caster. Or, mm-hmm. or yeah, he kills him basically. Thanks, he does uh, at the uh, at the airport. But Castor didn't give up where the bomb was. There's a big bomb going off. Mm-hmm. The only one that knows it is his brother Pollock. So mm-hmm. another Sean terrible has to go, Yeah, exactly. So Sean has to go undercover using this new technology uh, to replace his face and go into prison as Castor and mm-hmm. and talk to Pollock and figure out where the bomb is. It's Pollocks, right? Pollocks. Yeah, because they're named yeah. after stars. <clears throat> right, right. Yeah, Pollocks. Uh, but yeah, so that's the reason why and then while he is in there cast the real caster comes to life and you've got that wonderful like reflective shot of him smoking a cigarette with no mm. face on. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> after he kills the FBI agents and then somehow turns into Sean. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. Um, next on this insane list is law abiding citizen. And <laughs> I, uh, I watched this, uh, for this podcast. Um, uh, I, I don't know if you realize how fucking insane this movie is until you watch it. Like you can, ex- you can explain it to people and they'll be like, Oh yeah, that sounds insane. But then you watch it. And it's like, oh, it's even more insane. It I, really oh, is. yeah. Yeah. Think about like one of the opening scenes of this movie where they juxtapose a guy getting a lethal injection with a cello performance. <laughs> mm-hmm. That tells you where this movie's going, baby. 
By the way, Jamie Foxx plays like an assistant DA in this movie where he tells his beautiful wife, Regina Hall, I can't be there for our daughter's recital because I got to go watch this guy get lethally injected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that, like that's so goddamn important. Classic excuse. Right, right, right. But like by, by the end of it where the guy, like we, you know, we find out that the lethal injection is not working the way it should. It actually causes great pain to him instead of like just putting him to sleep. Uh, by the end of it, when he dies, and remember, they're juxtaposing this between this and a cello recital. Uh, you know, he dies, and then you see people clapping out in the audience and everything. It's so fucking weird, man. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, Jared Butler, of course, is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he he has a home invasion at the beginning of this, where you know, two asshole like uh crooks come in and then they like one of them is one of them i think tries to rape his wife and then then he takes his daughter and then we find out later that he killed both his wife and daughter uh and through some bullshit like i i really do think this scene is bullshit where he where uh jared butler is talking to jamie fox and jamie fox is like well we got the dna evidence but the some for some sort of technical technicality is going to make it where they can't prosecute this guy and he's like well i saw his face and he's like well you were unconscious when all of this happened so you can't possibly like, i was like bullshit bullshit <laughs> so they set this up where like oh the system has failed this guy he's i know system on trial that's right i know for the next 10 years i'm gonna buy up all this land everywhere (laughs) around town and i'm gonna dig a tunnel uh, from one of them to the solitary confinement in the jail and i'm gonna commit a series of crimes that will get me to that solitary um (laughs) including doesn't he kill somebody with the steak bone like with the t-bone he kills kills an inmate uh because that's part of the plan right he look think about think about about the things that have to go right for this to happen because he (laughs) he says he at first he 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 works his way around not uh um uh not giving his confession about who he killed because he kills the two guys that (laughs) that broke into his house that goes that that goes without saying he does that right off the bat In, in another like insane plan where he's he he like he stuns a cop and he pre- he pretends to be a cop. Yeah, he's and the then cop. He, ho- right? he chases him. Yeah, down. and then he hopes that this dude will run across rooftops over to his over to the cop car and drive the cop car. I don't know. There's <laughs> a, he ends up he ends up and like then takes a gun that has some sort of poison from some sort of blowfish from the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie. <laughs> I love it so much. Good. Jeremy, you you're you you're the one who uh who brought attention to this movie. Tell us tell us what you love about this shit. No, you've already done a, f- a fine job, especially cuz you watched it. So I haven't seen it since I brought it up on the podcast. I don't mm-hmm. remember the details as well as you, but I I I'm now going to watch it again po- possibly tonight because <laughs> Yeah, it's so it's so absurd that it becomes fun, at least for me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it's 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 hard for a movie to be that absurd, to be honest, uh, because 
for the first hour, it's like, what the fuck? And then once you once you just give yourself over, oh man, it's like it's perfect. It's fucking perfect. Well, he, he blows the, up the the cell at the end, right? He J- got a Jamie bomb Fox. in the cell. Jamie yeah. Fox, yeah, because he was, the, was trying to. Jared Butler was trying to kill somebody. Uh, yeah, he's trying to kill the mayor and everybody in there. Like, yeah. like he, she's get, asking for help from Homeland Security about uh, what to do with this guy who is somehow committing murders in prison, and they don't know how. From solitary, and, <laughs> and like that, n- like nobody's guarding this guy. Nobody's looking <laughs> at what he's doing. Like, you know, I, I also thought it was just absurd that they didn't find out that he owned the land next to the prison until all the way till the end of the movie, but. Uh, but the but the the thing with the steak bone, which was what I was trying to get to, was the um, just think about all the things that have to happen. All right, so he he says, "I will confess if you give me certain things." So so like when he when it feels like he's up against the wall, he is he goes, "Well, I can uh, I can tell you where Bill Reynolds or somebody I think that's what his name is. You can tell him where he is. Now he's the defense attorney for the two guys that got off of the case." Uh, and they said, well, he says, well, give me a porterhouse with all the fixings and all this other type <laughs> of stuff. Give me all this food and I, and, uh, and I'll tell you where he is. And, um, and so, so they do, they give him this like incredible meal. They even wheel it out on a like hotel cart to him and everything. <laughs> and, uh, he's eating it in front of his, in front of his cellmate and the, and, uh, and he goes, uh, and the cellmate threatens to kill him if he doesn't let him have some of the food. So they have this nice dinner together. And then when the steak is done and there's just a steak bone, he goes over and stabs this guy about 20 times in the jugular. <laughs> there's so much blood in that scene. It's like, it, you know, and, uh, and so, yeah, that gets into solitary and I'm just sitting there just going like once weird things happen and they're like, what the hell is this? How the hell is this guy doing this type of stuff? You would think he'd be on 24 seven watch at that point, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, <clears throat> I wouldn't yeah. trust a porterhouse cooked by prison staff no. now, which leads me to a completely, uh, unimportant question. The movies are, 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 I'm guessing the movies are accurate when they tell us that death row inmates get to have a last meal and they get to make requests, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. imagine that's probably true. But if you request a porterhouse, they're not going to go to Ruth's Chris and have it door dashed to the prison. <laughs> they're they're going to they're going to get the cheapest fucking porterhouse they can get their hands on. They're going to throw it on a flat top grill. And it's probably going to taste like pork chops, yeah. right? Like, yeah. the, I feel like we're almost we're almost punishing these people even more by saying, "What's your ideal meal? We'll serve you a really shitty version of that right before we kill you." Mm-hmm. Like, it just seems cruel. That's to your me. Uh, that's your takeaway from this movie. No, but it's my <laughs> takeaway from this conversation because well, when he brought up the porterhouse thing, I was just like, that can't have tasted good. There's well, no they're way. definitely not going to let him have it in a cell in front of his <laughs> other cellmate. That's another thing. Like they would like the interrogation room that he's in in like two or three scenes, that's where they would have had the steak. He would not have had it in his bullshit cell with a fucking other guy 
you know, and and not unsupervised. Um, <laughs> they don't let most inmates have toothbrushes because they can be filed down and stabbed. They're not going to yeah. give a fucking T-bone to this guy. It's absolutely insane. I, I uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the next one on this list is American Psycho. Yeah, baby. The movie came out in 2000. Christian Bale, man. This is, uh, I don't know if this is his turning point. Uh, I think it is. It, it's weird. Like, I don't think this was a huge hit or anything, mm -hmm. but it was, I think it was sort of the announcement that he's ready to be a great actor. He had been around for a while, uh, as a child actor in empire of the sun. He was in little women. Um, he, he, he and he, you know, of course there was it newsies was the other one that he was in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, but this was the first one where I thought, Oh, Christian Bale is like really trying to be uh, a great actor and everything. And this movie, yes, is insane. Um, the, just the, he, all of this is either taking place in his mind or is completely real. It, I think the movie sort of kind of goes back yeah. and forth yeah, yeah. and, and Willem Dafoe, I, I have read was told to uh, play the character of the detective one where he thinks Christian Bale is behind all this and one where he doesn't think that he's behind all this. And they right. sort of mixed and matched the edits. Uh, so a lot of That's times genius. you're just sitting there going, I have no idea what the fuck is going on in this. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, he, he, at least, it, he at least imagines this kind of violence, which is kind of, you know, I mean, that's sick in itself, you know, I guess, um, he, and I want to be, know, I guess I want to be careful about how we describe him too. Right. We don't want to go off the deep end on this. Right. Or, or, or can we, you mean like diagnosing him? Right. I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to say stuff like stuff is crazy or insane if it's not. Sure. And, no, you know, I mean, I think he's pretty clearly like mentally ill i think mm -hmm. that's i think the the movie though and and this is based off of brett easton ellis's novel who writes the most despicable characters mm. ever i think mm. the movie yes. and the book is are are both portraying him as a psychopath you know mentally ill for sure but <clears throat> as a uh, sociopath, unable to understand consequences um Right, That's like or empathy or anything like that. Right. I think I think it is based in reality when he picks up the prostitute at least mm -hmm. the first time, and I think uh, some of the violence is for real. Now we don't know, starting with the whole uh, Paul Allen stuff with Jared Leto's character. What a great mm -hmm. cast by the Chloe Sevigny, Reese Witherspoon, mm -hmm. uh, Jared Leto in one of his his best roles, Willem Dafoe, like you said, uh, just a just an outstanding cast uh but but yeah clearly at some point uh when he's talking about huey lewis in the news uh that's where there's some sort of break from reality and we still don't know how deep that break goes i still haven't gotten this movie figured out i've seen it probably 20 times and i i haven't gotten this movie figured out did you enjoy way. that video i shared where somebody replaced all the business cards with <laughs> smartphones with pictures of their kitty cats. And yeah, so they're all like so sharing pictures of their Beautiful. kitty cats. But oh. I'll tell you what, this and, and you could say this and Rules of Attraction both, I would not say Less Than Zero. Less Than Zero is a very good movie, but I don't think it's as bonkers. Uh, mm -hmm. This and Rules of Attraction are both movies that could fit into this category as movies that just went for it. Mm -hmm. did, you guys see, uh, did you guys see Choke? Yeah. Yes, the yeah, Chuck Palahniuk uh, book. Yeah, 
Oh, why do I always confuse Chuck Palahniuk with Brett Easton Ellis? Same kind of. I really thought that was the same frame. author. Yeah, he's the Fight Club guy, Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, my bad. Sorry, <clears throat> but that I is think Chuck, interesting. Movie. I think Chuck Palahniuk is more about like what you what you will be willing to do for your obsessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and Brett Easton Ellis is just showing the hard face of humanity. He's uh, a nihilist. Everyone's a shithead. Yeah. yeah, he's a nihilist, and and. Uh, uh, he's he's the Ayn Rand or Ayn Rand or however you pronounce uh, her mm-hmm. name of mm-hmm. of this you know starting in the the eighties nineties uh, moving forward. But um, that's a that's a this movie you know uh, on the surface is a, is about a serial killer or whatever. But like it's got a lot of great satirical moments like the like the business cards being yep. obsessed with the business cards. Uh, there's no good bathroom to do coke in in here. Like when they're at the <laughs> restaurant, uh, the um, uh, when when Bale's at the nightclub and he says, "I'm into murders and executions," and the woman is like, "Oh, I have a cousin or a friend that's in murders and acquisitions." Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, and and like he when he when he hires two prostitutes to come over, uh, he like it. He starts off so nice and everything is like very cool and then suddenly he's like you know uh don't just stare at our ass eat it you know it's like that kind of thing that he he just all of a sudden just there's a burst of violence that comes through him that mm. is out of nowhere you can't you you can't be lulled yeah you can't be lulled into a false sense of security around this guy yep. um yeah, that movie's great. I don't know what happened to Mary Heron after this. Um, she did Notorious Betty Page uh, in the. Well, yeah, I saw that too, but that was and a it, long time ago. Yeah, I don't know if 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 I've seen anything that she's done since then. Hmm. I know there was another one too. Did she do uh, I Shot Annie Warhol as well? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I forget when that um, one was. That was like ninety six or something. Oh, she looks like she's gotten into TV a lot. That's like the new thing, right? To get into some TV. Mm-hmm. It's I, I guess it, there's not as much. I don't know, not as much pressure on uh, on the TV stuff. You can still do creative things, but you don't have to. You, the whole your whole career doesn't depend on whether you can do this TV series or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, next on the list, oh my God, Spring Breakers. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. I love this movie so much. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, uh, Harmony Kareen. Or Karine. I don't know if I've ever heard him say it. Uh, it's Karine, apparently, but nobody. Oh, it's Karine. Uh, he's a local guy. He's a crazy ass Nashville kid. He is. Um, uh, who has made a lot of some of the most insane. He wrote Kids, which is an insane movie, and then mm-hmm. movies like Gummo and Trash Humpers and stuff like that. He shows up in Goodwill Hunting as well, like when uh, Matt Damon is on the phone with what's. Uh, in the orange jumpsuit or whatever and, <laughs> and he comes by and he's like hey man you want you want to look at my ass or whatever he says um uh but uh yeah spring breakers uh look at my shit look at my <laughs> shit mm-hmm. i tell you this was uh, uh correct me 2013 that yeah, sounds about right i mean this is when okay so you got vanessa hodgins selena gomez back right off of Disney or Nick or whatever she was coming off of. Mm-hmm. Ashley Benson, who I think was a Disney person too. Uh, you know, these are good girls and, <laughs> and they, and Selena Gomez does keep her 
her that means her relative innocence. Relative yeah, innocence. Yeah, her innocence uh, by, you know, kind of denying going along with, with all of this stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the rest of them just sink into this beautiful haze of Florida and just going bonkers. And this movie's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I was... I like I like this movie okay, and then the ending I really liked it because uh, mm-hmm. I love the way they 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 portrayed that uh, that heist or whatever that they're doing at the very end. I thought that was Gucci really Mane. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it, I think it perfectly encapsulates weird Florida law breaking bullshit uh, stuff, and James Franco is uh is definitely uh spurring that uh, insanity on during that especially during that look at my shit scene and everything. <laughs> um, i don't remember this was right as or before he started going to nyu and like doing everything right yeah yeah uh, it was up in until now soap opera <clears throat> yeah, yeah but up until now he's he's done the spider-man movies he's done relatively straightforward roles and this is the first one i think i remember where he really went off the rails. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's so great in this role. He's so great yeah. as Alien. <clears throat> yeah. Especially when he's giving a blow <laughs> to that gun. All right, everybody. It's time to talk about BetterHelp. BetterHelp. Boom. BetterHelp. Quick personal anecdote, real quick. Mm. Uh, counseling isn't always going to be fun, folks. I'm not going to lie to you. All right. It's not always going to be like, hey, I'm going to counseling. It's going to be the great day of my life. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult. Sometimes it's, uh, it's really, it's challenging. And then <laughs> you get to a point sometimes, and I have recently, uh, you get to the point where you feel like you're really making progress. You, you feel like after a counseling session, you're walking on air. Um, and it was not always the case with me personally. Um, and that's the process that I've gone through, uh, with counseling. So if you are thinking about it and you're overwhelmed, uh, by saying, I don't want to dig too deep into these issues. It's, I'm going to be mired in this stuff for years and years and years. There is a reason for doing this and there is an outcome that you're looking for. And doing that is through counseling and really doing the process and better help has a great interface for doing this is online counseling uh, that you can do from your computer, tablet, phone, any of that stuff. You can uh, message your counselor. You can uh, set up a text conversation. You can set up a live video chat. Better help is just the absolute greatest gift to counseling to come along in forever. All right. I'm going to be selfish for a second. Um, if you decide to use BetterHelp or have, um, and you want to let us know uh, one way or the other um, how that experience has gone for you, if it's helped you, um, that kind of stuff really matters to us. Mm-hmm. Like every time we get an email from somebody, we got one a couple weeks ago, somebody who says, you know, I just really appreciate you guys hammering this message I finally started and I see why it's such a great service like that. We pass that around internally and all of us just feel like good human beings because we make these silly nitpicky videos. We joke around about movies for a living, but 
that's actually making a difference in somebody's life because mental health is, is every bit as important as your physical health. And so I, I would love to hear if you've started using BetterHelp, uh, whether or not it was because of us. Uh, those kind of stories, knowing that people are seeking out counseling um, in part because uh, it's important for us to talk about it just really, really means a lot. Yeah, it does. And I know if you're a regular listener, you've heard us talk about BetterHelp before. But if you've been putting it off, if you've been like a little bit wary about it, if you've been uh, a little bit hesitant to it, do it now. Just try it out. Go to BetterHelp.com slash SINCAST. All you do is you, you, you sign up, you answer a few questions, you get matched to a counselor within 24 hours. A lot of times it's within your area. And you're off and running. And you schedule everything on your counseling room. Uh, like I said, you can message your, your counselor. You can set up uh, the text or the live or the phone call. Uh, it's an amazing service, guys. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash syncast. Don't put it off any longer, folks. Take care of yourself. Treat yourself. <laughs> BetterHelp.com slash syncast. We can move on to a movie we've talked about a lot. I don't think we need to go too deep into the devil's advocate because we have talked about it a lot. But it is it is exactly the movie that that they set out to make, right? Like Al Pacino goes completely off the rails. They let him do anything he wants at the, in that final, sh final scene. Uh, I really would love to have been a, you know, I would love to hear stories about Pacino getting into the character and Keanu Reeves facing off against Al Pacino in this movie. And, um, and just, did they know that they were making something that was going to be like this when, you know, when, it, when, when, uh, when they saw the final product, you know, is this going to be, are we really doing this? Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a small town lawyer gets seduced by the devil and the devil finds out, or he finds out that he's the devil's son. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, and I mean, there's, like... there's the elevator pitch right there and mm -hmm. you guys know, this is, yeah, the definition of, of bonkers. It is so worth seeing. Figured out only this week, actually, by the way, Taylor Hackford, uh, who was the director of this, is married to the beautiful Helen Mirren. Oh, I, really? know that. I didn't know Did that either. I know that. Uh, That's but, crazy. Uh, God bless him. He's uh, um, getting that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Southland Tales. Yeah. Talk about We them. got... <laughs> We got to talk to Richard Kelly about this movie. That was, yeah, so that was awesome. awesome. That was so yeah, great. yeah. Southland Tales is fucking insane. Like you're there's no there's not one chance that you know what's going on after the first time you see this, and probably not the second. Um, <laughs> there's so many things. There's a lot of like there's a lot, there's I guess it, by the end of it, if you really think about it, the time travel is not super complicated. Mm -hmm. It's just that there's so many characters. And, and, you know, so many things happening on this that by the end of it, you're like, damn, what did I just watch? Holy shit. I don't know. I don't even know. Um, I, I've talked about that line that I love so much about, you know, the rock saying like, you know, it would upset the space time or whatever. And then he, you know, he, he's like, you stupid bitch. And then kisses my Ling after that or by Ling after that. Uh, the, it's just, that's such a great, and we got to ask him about that, that line too. That was the fun thing about it. Um, that's where you really saw the rock. I really think this is the movie where you saw the rock. 
Dwayne Johnson becoming an actor, like a becoming a real actor. Like I know in Be Cool, he's he's like getting into that area, but like this is the one where like he really seems to get it. Like it doesn't matter if it's funny, dramatic, whatever. He seems to know what how he's supposed to be in these things. And mm-hmm. Southland Tales is is one that gets him to go all over the spectrum for the for for acting, and it's amazing. And you get to see uh, actors playing against type uh, for real. You know, uh, Nora Dunn is very understated. Uh, mm-hmm. Sarah Michelle Gellar plays this wonderful uh, uh, <laughs> counterpart to The Rock, where she's like she's, she's awesome trying to be an, an early influencer, essentially back in two thousand six. Yeah. Uh, by like, you know, this aggression against women is just is just awful. That's why I stopped doing anal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they have this have these frank discussions with other porn stars out on a beach and and it just comes off completely like opposite of what they're trying to say exactly. during the entire uh, uh the Sean entire William thing. Scott is great. Uh oh, he's awesome in this. Fucking John Lovitz and Sherry O'Terry are talk really about, good in this too. Talk about uh against type. John Lovitz doesn't I don't think he cracks one joke in this movie. He does call Sherry O'Terry a stupid bitch in a weird context too. <laughs> uh but uh but it's great uh amy poehler i think is in this john larroquette uh yeah there's there's the 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 cast is amazing the ideas are audacious um as we talked to richard kelly we we found out that you know this is just it's like star wars it's the middle part of a three-part series and so yeah there's some stuff that kind of comes out of nowhere but uh, he's working to flesh out that universe. I'm, I'm, I'm all in, baby. This is a, a, you can't talk about this movie without talking about Justin Timberlake and that mid mm-hmm. movie uh, vignette of him doing. I think uh, that's all the signature bonkers him. part of yeah. the movie is him uh, doing that killers thing. Um, uh, I'm so glad we got to talk to him at that movie. That's like one of the most satisfying <laughs> interviews we've ever done. I think he said uh, Timberlake did that in like one or two takes too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he didn't have him long or something yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I've grown like the one I watched Southland tales in theaters when I was in New York and, uh, I, I, I was like, I don't know what the fuck that movie was and, and forgot about it for years. And then recently, like in the last year or two picked it up again. And I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is actually like, you know, it, it takes some work to, <laughs> to know what this movie's all about, but yeah, it's a, it's a bonkers hall of fame for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, then yes, inherent vice. This is like high minded bonkers right here. Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, adapting a Thomas Pinchon novel. Uh, and it, and I, from what I understand, reading Inherit Vice is kind of a chore or like not a chore, but like kind of a, a puzzle or kind of a, you know, I've never read the book, but, um, but this movie is too. And especially before it came out, Paul Thomas Anderson said stuff like airplane was an influence on this movie. And I was like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't see any airplane in this except for maybe a couple of scenes. Um, everything else is all you being weird. Kind of. Um, or, or just taking the source material and filming it in this, in this way. But I still don't know if I like this movie or not. Mm. Mm. It's hard to know if I like this movie. This movie mm. was made for me, I think. And, and maybe only me. Mm-hmm. I, I've watched it. I don't know how many times and I've watched parts of it 
many other times. And, you know, everybody in here from Catherine Watterson, Joaquin Phoenix, Martin Short, and uh, mm-hmm. Josh Brolin is my yeah. favorite part of this movie. Big well, P.T. Anderson is like your boy, right? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you like what you like, and, and he hasn't done anything that I have not liked. That's uh, what I meant. Like, yeah. you've liked all of his movies. Like, yeah. You know what those <clears throat> upfronts or whatever, um, several weeks ago when I was talking about the trailers that they were showing the theater owners, but we didn't get to see, um, the studio had, um, I forget which studio it is, it's producing P.T. Anderson's next movie, said by way of teasing it, we will tell you what the title of that movie is when he tells us. <laughs> um, and just like a week ago, they announced it's Licorice Pizza. Yeah. And it is <laughs> about a, a record. Like it's a, it's going back to the 70s yeah. and vinyl and something along those lines. Somebody uh, but, got uh, <clears throat> got cast in that that was very interesting too. Uh, well, it's done. I mean, they're showing, they started showing, he's so interesting, a guy. He's showing trailers in England only at specific theaters like and only in 35 millimeter. And so there was a theater that was doing a screening of Boogie Nights, mm-hmm. and he sent them a 35 millimeter trailer for Licorice Pizza, and it's playing there. But yeah, no oh, one on wow. the internet can see it. No one in U.S. theaters can see it. He's got so much clout, and I just, I don't, I respect it. I think he's earned it. I don't love all his movies the way Barrett that. does, but yeah. uh, but I think he's earned that clout. I think it's a little weird to not tell the studio what your movie's about or the name of it. Um, but you know, artists gonna artist. I he, guess. He's become this. There's a weird parallel with this. He's become this generation Stanley Kubrick, I believe. Oh, that's what I was gonna um, say. Is that there's something about him that's very Kubrickian, not in the the style of filmmaking, but it, the personality. Personality, and he doesn't take nearly as long as Kubrick did to to do sure. what what he does. But his art is so impeccable, and he has such control over everything uh, that. That it 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 makes it to where it's a, it, it's an event when a Paul Thomas Anderson uh, film comes out. And what was interesting about this is that uh, Tom Cruise met with Paul Thomas Anderson on the set of Eyes Wide Shut uh, mm-hmm. to no. with the script from Magnolia and agreed to do that. But it he had to be delayed or whatever because it took two years or whatever it was to to do Eyes Wide Shut on location. So uh, there is a bit of an, a weird overlap there, but. Yeah, this, uh, Inherent Vice was made for me, and I appreciate him for doing that. Yeah, I've seen Inherent Vice probably three times, and I don't think I understand the plot any of the times. Like, may, maybe maybe on a somewhat level I've understood that plot, but like, but not all of it. There are scenes where I'm like, why did it logically come come from this scene <laughs> to this scene? What? Why is it? Why is this happening now after this? You know, and there's a lot of that. Like, there's a lot of unanswered questions for me in that movie, and I'll have to watch it again, and again at some point. Because again, like I said, I don't know if I like it or dislike it or what. I know there are scenes in it that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you do. Well, yeah, <laughs> Catherine Watterson's scene is a, is one of the sexiest things I've ever seen in my life. But, but you know, that, I, that scene where where the mom shows a picture to Joaquin Phoenix and he does that, ah! and then he just continues looking at the picture like nothing has happened yep, yep, yep. is is uh, is some fun stuff. Uh, but God, oh, man, yeah, I need to watch that again. 
I need oh, to watch so it. Good. It is so uh, good. I, I don't feel that compulsion. I, this is my least favorite P.T. Anderson movie. I only saw it once. I will watch it again someday mm-hmm. because that's how I do. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I have no interest right now. I, that movie, as much as it was made for Barrett, it was made against me. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, it's it. worth watching for Josh Brolin's performance alone. It, well, I'm sure yeah. that's true. I think he's ultimately one of our least heralded best actors. Mm-hmm. And Joaquin yeah. Phoenix, now, he's he's amazing as Doc in this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but Brolin is his nemesis. And their last scene is one that uh, <laughs> I will replay over and over. And is it over the pancakeu or, or is no? It, that uh, one I replay over and over again too. He's like, I like the pancakes here. They're not as good as my mother. Molto pancakeu, molto. <laughs> but no, the last scene is where he kicks his door in and fucks up his shit. And Joaquin Phoenix is smoking weed, and he's like, "What are you doing, Bigfoot?" And he comes <laughs> yeah. in and he looks at the this giant patch of weed on a plate <laughs> or a tray on his table. And he looks at him, he's like, you know, this whole thing is fucked. And then he just eats the entire fucking tray. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he just (laughs) stares at him. And he's like, don't call me brother and that kind of thing. And then he just walks out. And he (laughs) steps on the door. He's like, man, that costs like $7,000. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Next on the list is From Dust Till Dawn. Uh, (laughs) That's a bonkers-ass movie. This this movie's bonkers in many ways. Uh, one part of why it's bonkers is because it's kind of two different movies. Yeah. Um, absolutely. George, Clo- George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino are, are like robbers and they, they kidnap this family who, who are in a trailer. Harvey Keitel is, uh, uh, driving this trailer with Juliette Lewis, his, uh, his daughter and his son, uh, in, in tow and they kidnap them and they cross the border to Mexico. They sort of stow away on this trailer uh like but the beginning of this is them robbing a gas station and then mm-hmm. blowing it up so tarantino then, it's so yeah. this is directed by robert rodriguez but that is so tarantino well yeah this is when tarantino's like i got a script why don't i get one of my buddies to to direct it and that's what happened with this um so they go across so this is it feels like okay this is about thieves trying to get across the border and all this and, and they they stop off at this this bar out in the middle of fucking nowhere in mexico and the everybody turns into fucking vampires that's right that's and, right and and, and this this is tarantino is shit though for Clooney to come out at that point after the vampires come in they kill all these vampires and everything he's like he's like can we all agree that these are vampires like I don't believe in fucking vampires, but I know what I saw. So, you know, can we just d- dispense basically with this? I, vampires aren't real bullshit, you know? And, uh, and then and talking about how they're going to kill them and everything. And it's like, he's like, I, I think silver has something to do with vampires. And they're having this argument about silver and Juliette Lewis is like, well, does anybody have any silver on them? And they're like, no, no. Well, then, then fucking stop talking about it. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. But Danny Trejo's in here. There's fucking uh, who's the makeup artist? Uh, the, oh, Tom Savini. Tom and you Savini. Have, uh, sex machine. Fred Williamson is in this. Fred Williamson. What a and Cheech Marin plays like three different uh, roles in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just absolutely bunk. This is such a hidden hidden gem that I don't think even amongst the Clooney biography or filmography i don't think is talked about very much and i 
assume Jeremy does not like this movie very much. I don't like this movie. Yeah. That's okay. That's all right. People like what they like. And it's not, not everything is for everyone. Um, so I'm okay with it. You can agree I'm that a- it's bonkers as hell, though, right? Absolutely. It belongs in this conversation. I just, when you said hidden little gem, I just, uh, a little part of my soul died. But that's okay. Um, <clears throat> that's okay. I'm all right with that. It is bonkers. <laughs> it's bonkers. right before. Now, this is 96, 97. So it's 96. right before Out of Sight. Uh, I mean, I think actually he did that Michelle Pfeiffer movie, like in between one fine day don't call one it that michelle time? pfeiffer movie it's one fine day <laughs> did you see you saw it right oh well, i saw it yeah i built it um and he did peacemaker before that with nicole kidman he worked with some pretty awesome oh well, well yeah it's a terrible movie but yeah. Pe- uh, the peacemaker was the first uh dreamworks movie ever. yeah that's why i remember it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah he was still looking for what his thing was gonna be yeah at yeah. this point, yeah. and and he was leaning action star. He ends up in Batman Forever, right? No, no, Wait, Batman, Batman and, and Robin, Robin. Yeah, yeah. Batman and Robin. Um, but you know, Out of Sight really set him on the right path. Out of Sight is what guides him to the Ocean's movies, and it's riffs on that cool persona that lead him to Michael Clayton. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I just don't like this movie. Yeah, everything about Clooney that you would talk about back in the day was like he would do that head bopping thing every time he was talking and yeah. everything. And then Out of Sight came along and Soderbergh was like, okay, we're going to stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying, he's trying mm-hmm. to keep the camera on. He's like, God well, damn it. And, well, and, and that was something that I had heard also about uh, Paul Thomas Anderson when he did uh, Hard Eight. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, I think in one of the featurettes or whatever that i saw back in the day uh she was like she's like i was always trying to do these things with my hands you know all these little actor tricks thing and then he would he would come up to me and say you can't do that i'm sorry i'm not I'm, i can't let you do that see hmm. we wouldn't he would he Good wouldn't direction, let me do man. that yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it's yeah, like so. it's something that's oh that's my my thing no, stop doing that. It's not in service mm-hmm. of this movie. If I can stop doing it, I'm gonna uh, break off uh, of this list and uh, bring up a, a couple that uh, Jeremy and I uh, brought up uh, on one on my list. I had Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah, love that on movie. here. Um, uh, I have not seen this movie in forever, but if I recall, isn't this something where it's almost like uh, the Seven Samurai or something like that, where they have to save the town and yeah. Yeah, it, and, it's like all of those, you know, uh, a few townsfolk versus a big gang uh, yeah. type of thing. Yeah, except yeah. they and, have powers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and 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 this same guy did uh, Shaolin Soccer, which is another one Movie that is rules. bonkers as hell as as well. Kung Fu Hustle, if I recall, had a lot of like WB Looney Tunes kind of kind of things but shaolin soccer there's a scene where guy kicks a ball so hard it it it, it declothes the goalie yep. <laughs> yep. those <laughs> movies are bonkers fun as hell uh if if you guys haven't seen them you, the those are like those are like must-see bonkers movies I yeah think. Stephen chow man uh steven chow should be mentioned up there with the hong kong directors with with everybody else uh, and actors and performers too. He's amazing. You guys uh, ever eat that candy in the early nineties? Bonkers. Oh yeah. Candy? yeah. Oh yeah. Like a rectangle shaped starburst kind of thing mm-hmm. with like a flavor inside. And mm-hmm. I, I love that oh, candy. Oh, mm-hmm. I ate it. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me, just wanted uh, to check. Uh, on uh, one on Jeremy's list is the cell, which I know Barrett can talk a, a bunch about. But but isn't is I'm trying to remember who's who's mind is it Vincent D'Onofrio? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's they're, the uh, killer that they're trying to infiltrate. They and it's one of these Inception before Inception type movies, kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. Except if you if you think of Inception as kind of a um. It, 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 it's more of a horror kind of inception uh, oh, because yeah. we're going through a serial killer's mind and like all these different depths of his consciousness uh, and everything. I have not seen this in forever. Didn't uh, Tarzum sing uh, mm-hmm. direct this back when he was um, called Tarzum? Yeah, just Tarzum. And, uh, and, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, let's talk about some bonkersness in this. Did Do you, you remember st- many things about it? Okay, so I saw it once. Uh, pretty sure this was in my Hollywood 27 days. It's 2000, yeah, I think. 2000, yeah. yeah, yeah, so yeah I'm pretty yeah. sure I watched this because I built it. Uh, and it's one of the first movies that made me feel like I now know what it's like to take hard drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I also remember um, some of the visuals just being straight up awesome. Like oh, yeah. outstandingly cool, weird shit. Uh, but as far as understanding what was going on, uh, I remember the movie mostly confused me and I felt like I'd dropped acid. Uh, <laughs> but, but I have not seen it since then. So it's been, you know, 21 years. I just wrote it down because I remember like when you threw out batshit insane movies, I was like, cell has got to be in there because that, mm-hmm. that shit was, how did you even get the budget for that? How did you explain that to the studio that greenlit it? How did the, you do that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's got Jennifer Lopez is she's empathetic to this kid uh that that uh or or this guy uh to whom she meets uh later on as as his child form in his his subconscious he is uh in a medically induced coma i believe and she enters his brain uh to figure out the clue to i think a missing uh a missing person uh Vince Vaughn is her partner uh or or he's the FBI agent and kind of guiding her um and uh, it's, yeah, it, it's not the best movie. The same thing could be said for The Fall, the Lee Pace movie that uh, Tarzan Singh did later on. Uh, but the visuals are absolutely striking. Uh, and I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah. Um, going back to my list, I, I mentioned Mad Max Fury Road because I, I think it's a miracle this movie came out under the Warner Brothers banner. Mm. Um and uh a mainstream bonkers and holy shit a whole bunch of people went to go watch it and it had you know it has great messages in it uh uh but what you're going to come out of mad max fury road uh remembering is that chase all the way through the sandstorm that's the that's the big thing and of course the guy with the flaming guitar (laughs) um you know you're gonna remember all that i mean it's and he comes in at just the perfect moments too uh uh but um god this movie how in the world did this get made i remember seeing the trailer for this going holy shit someone just fell asleep at the wheel right they didn't they, they're not really coming out with this are they this isn't going to be like a big release and then yeah it comes out and they're like fuck it let's do this shit and everybody goes and watches it makes it a big hit 
uh there are some detractors who basically think this movie is oh well they drive to one place and then they drive back to the other place what's the big deal like those <laughs> people know. um but oh uh, man but there's more than just it's the little touches man george miller's mind has got to be an interesting place because in addition to flaming guitar guy you've got mother's milk mm-hmm. and the the concubine situation with the mm-hmm. like there's a bunch of the water waterfall the fucking morton joe face the way they put spice yeah. over on their mouth there's so much weird shit a lot of it he doesn't even bother to explain it's just hey the future is gonna be fucking weird um mm-hmm. deal with it um but yeah this movie there's no way this movie doesn't count as bonkers it's absolutely uh, bad shit yeah. i'll tell you what that that fight with uh tom hardy and charlie's right in the middle of of that after they they kind of get pulled over and there's one gun well actually there's two guns there's a shotgun and there's the the one that's hidden in the truck that thing is visceral man that's like mm-hmm. that's like batman versus tom hardy and the dark knight rises like they're just he rips her arm off and everything and she's fighting him with this search stomp and <clears throat> shit uh he's using the chain she's using the chain like there's just all kinds of interesting action in this. And Nicholas Holt is so good in this. Yeah, he is. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is just an amazing movie. And of course, now, because it's so great and made so much money, when Furiosa comes out with Anya Taylor-Joy in a few years, it won't be as shocking. We won't feel like anybody fell asleep at the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually pretty geeked about that. The only regret I have is that unlike Mad Max Fury Road, there's no way he spent 10 years storyboarding Furiosa because it hasn't been long enough. But mm-hmm. I think that dude is meticulous. And I think that pays off in that movie. I mention it every time we bring up Fury Road, but the continuity in that, in all those cuts is just like a master class Perfect. like it's a ted talk see you see exactly how far the horde is from them and then they're getting a little closer but they're not mm-hmm. they look like they're close but they're still what 10 minutes away 30 minutes away or something like that mm-hmm. uh because you can see so far oh it's beautiful well yeah and that's the reason why they even start on this journey in the first place is because they're it's desert for miles and miles and they they notice that Furiosa is not going down the right road yeah. from the yeah. place that they're at, and uh, and and it just goes to show what kind of an impossible situation they're in. What how how incredible this escape is, how mm. how, how audacious it is, uh, because they know that they're going to know that as soon as they they get off that you know they get off the main road. Um, Jeremy also lists, he lists a bunch of great ones, but we don't have time for a lot of these, but Buffalo 66 stood out as one because, uh, uh, this is, uh, this is Vincent Gallo and Christina Ricci and like, and Gallo is pissed off because he wants to kill who in real life is Scott Norwood, but I think they change the name in this, but he missed, he missed the field goal in the Super Bowl. And his whole thing is about uh, going on a road trip to kill this guy because he's an <laughs> asshole from this. Uh, I don't remember too much about this other than that main plot. Though. Well, again, what I remember is, and I've told this story before, but my roommates walked in when I was watching that movie. I was halfway through and I gave a two sentence summary of what I was watching. It was one of the most ridiculous sentences I'd ever said in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he kidnaps Christina Ricci. Mm-hmm. But then 
talks her into pretending to be his girlfriend when they get to his parents' house. Mm-hmm. And so there's a little bit of that, like, she starts being on his team instead of being a kidnap victim. Um, but yeah, it's, it's batch. It's not, it doesn't surprise me in the least that this guy went on to make Brown Bunny. Not oh, in the God. least. Like, yeah. not that you can see the the raw sexual stuff coming, but just in terms of, like, the guy who put this together then saying, hey, I'm going to make a movie where for 10 minutes <laughs> you watch me fill up my tank with gas. Right, right. It's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Buffalo 66 is, I think, uh, potentially Mount Rushmore of batshit insane movies. I, uh, mm-hmm. I took a first date to this movie. Oh my! Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I think you it, told me that it worked out. Uh, it worked out well uh, with the. Mm. Oh, hold on. When was this? Nineteen ninety-six. This may be the aforementioned girl that was that cheated on me with Robert. Hey, hey. nineteen ninety-eight. Okay, it wasn't her then. <laughs> 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 I took another first date uh, to this, and the whole like spanning time together. Like, uh, let's just span time. Span time together. And uh, that became a running joke for me and my girl. Oh. Uh, another one that's on my list, and it, and on on uh, first glance, you may be thinking that I'm bonkers for even bringing this up, but uh, the natural is bonkers, and uh, I and and the movie is played very straight laced, but <sighs> Roy Hobbs is a guy who, in his youth. Uh, is going to be this amazing pitcher. Now we have uh, today, uh, you know, if you follow baseball, Shohei Itani can both pitch and hit. He does both uh, very well. Mm. Um, he hits better than he pitches, I think, but he still pitches really well. Uh, better than most uh, pitchers who can also hit, uh, you know, whatever. But back in the 80s, it's kind of unheard of unless you're like Babe Ruth. And then, of course, Babe Ruth was well, well before the 80s. But um, uh, the idea of someone being a huge, like, uh, pitcher slash can hit as well kind of guy is um, uh, is is not – that's not what the movie – the movie seems to think that – the movie seems to uh, focus on his pitching only at the beginning of the movie. Just focuses on pitching. And he's going to be the best pitcher ever. He gets shot by Barbara Hershey early on before he's even able to sign on with a major league team. And then 16 years later, he comes out of nowhere uh, and is signed by the New York Knights as a right fielder, uh, as a backup to Michael Madsen's bump Bailey. There's absolutely zero reason why he was signed i like the n- the movie never once says oh my god he was tearing it up down in the minor leagues or anything <laughs> like that it was just he's just there now and and uh and 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 even if he was tearing it up in the minor leagues why would they bring this guy up if they're if the whole mission for uh for uh the the judge who owns the team uh, if the whole mission is to make this team tank so that they can move elsewhere and make lots of money, which is what every baseball movie right. does. Yeah, every, yeah. every baseball movie is about a team moving. Um, uh, why would you call somebody up like that? Who could help out? I don't, I never understood that. This is a movie. I absolutely adore. I've seen it at least 50 times. No kidding. Because I was a kid and watched this every day at one point. Um, 
and he comes back as a right fielder and and hits uh, hits incredible prodigious home runs <laughs> hits them into the Wrigley Field clock and smashes it right, at right. the very end smashes the lights at the end at the pennant winning game and like causes a fireworks display he hit it so fucking hard uh like where did that come from after getting shot in the stomach he mm-hmm. this guy becomes over 16 years the best fucking hitter in the major leagues. It's a batshit insane idea that is played straight throughout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is Barry Levinson, father of Sam Levinson, which is how we'll just describe, describe yeah. Barry yeah. Levinson yeah. Yeah. these days. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, I think because we did that interview uh, with, uh, who was the uh, director that we talked to? Uh, that was that movie. I can't remember what it was. There's a discussion in the movie about the natural and how insane it is. And I was it's like taking the, uh, umbrage. It's the golden arm lady. It was the golden arm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Barucha something. I think something Barucha. Marine Barucha. Yes. Marine Barucha. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, they're talking about how crazy it is. And I'm like sitting there going, I love the natural. Fuck you. And we, and I interviewed her and I, and I brought that question. I brought it up. I was like, you, you, yeah, I have something to say to you about this natural thing. I don't know if I agree with you or not. And then she's talking about how insane it was. And I was like, yeah, yeah. You know what? You are absolutely right. This movie is fucking insane. If you think about it, because it doesn't, I mean, it's very, very straightforward. It feels like it's just a regular drama. But when you think of when you start asking questions, about this movie it's like whoa this yeah. is a yeah absolutely batshit insane movie yeah all right everybody it's time to talk about poshmark oh posh poshmark poshmark guys i have been hearing about this service for a long time my wife has been lusting after a bag she likes bags, Ooh, mm. bags. Mm. and she has been looking on poshmark uh for forever Poshmark is a giant marketplace mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. from all different users where you can buy and sell clothes, a lot of which are brand new, tags on, all that stuff, uh, slightly worn clothes that, at a discount that you can totally, totally take advantage of. Mm. You can interact with people. You can interact with closets. You can interact with brands. It's your shopping mall. Okay, if you are really interested in Levi's, for instance, because, hey, that's the hip brand. Uh, If you're really interested in Levi's, if you're really interested in Dockers, if you're really interested in God, I'm coming up with like the lamest brands. I'm (laughs) going (laughs) to. If you love Payless shoes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me pull up some actual friends. <laughs> Dockers. <laughs> Dockers. That's the brand. Oshkosh Bagosh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you love Hanes? <laughs> oh, God. What am I doing? Hang on. <laughs> Oh, start that oh. over. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're yeah. into Lululemon, uh, if you're into Nike, if you're into mm-hmm. anthropology, mm-hmm. Free People, J. Crew, Machino, all these London Fog, all mm-hmm. these very, very cool brands that, of course, 
I'm into too, because nobody is more fashion forward than yours truly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You get all that stuff on Poshmark. What you do? I'll tell you what to do, folks. Look at me right now. Look at me. Look at I'm me. Looking. Like a, I'm watching. Martin, look at me like I'm looking at you. <laughs> all right. Here's what you do. You download the app, Poshmark, P-O-S-H-M-A-R-K. Okay. Got Poshmark. And then what you're going to find, you log in, you make an account, right? You log in and then you shop. You shop. If you want to drop after you shop, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge you. All right. You shop, you get what you want. You get your jeans, you get your shirt, you get your socks, you get your bag, you get your undies, you get your, your hat. I don't know. Whatever you, whatever you want. All right. On Poshmark. And if you use the code, now here's our handle. I'm going to give you our handle. Sincast Posh. Mm. That's right. Mm. That's how we roll. Sincast Mm -hmm. Posh. Use that promo code after you download the app, get 10 bucks off. What? Mm. What? $10 off, folks. That's awesome. Sincast Posh is your access, your way, your entry into the wonder that is Poshmark. Download Mm -hmm. that app, folks. That's where you start. Create your profile. Figure out what you like. You can tell them what you like, right? And they they kind of like hey, yeah, say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Yeah, they learn and, your taste. Uh, and you use Sincast Posh, and baby, you're off and running. You're going to love this. I guarantee it. It is going to change your life. Uh, Sincast Posh is your invite code. Download the Poshmark app. Put in Sincast Posh as your invite code. $10 off. You're off and running. You're going to love it, and we love it too. We're going to use it all the time. It is the beginning of a new special relationship. <laughs> oh, showgirls. Holy shit. Showgirls, it's either misunderstood or well understood. Uh, <laughs> we've talked to a guy who did a documentary about this movie. That's right. Uh, That's right. I agree with his main conceit uh, that he's talking about in this movie, where he, in the documentary, where he says, for years, Verhoeven was making these ultra-violent satirical movies uh, that, you know, that basically were showing how insane society can be about, you know, about about violence. And he says it's the same thing about sex and showgirls because obviously the scene in the pool where Elizabeth Berkeley is writhing around on the surface of the pool uh, with Kyle MacLachlan and doing that like that is that even sex like it's so (laughs) it's such an insane scene uh of course it's meant to be insane but then you know you're watching and what what are we supposed to get out of that right yeah there's a lot of the time yeah a lot of the times we're just like yeah you could it could be satire but you're (laughs) what what are we supposed to learn I don't, I don't know what uh paul verhoeven is is trying to satirize in 90 percent of his movies mm-hmm. um i think i think with this one it's a little bit more understood it's supposed to be over the top it's supposed to be the peek behind the curtain of the glitz and glamour of uh of las vegas especially when it comes to the showgirl lifestyle and mm-hmm. uh and it it becomes a human story of nomi uh and uh gina gershon and and all these shenanigans that happen. She's a dancer. She wants to be the prima donna. Uh, mm-hmm. It just happens to have a lot more titties than regular uh, prima donnas. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and I, you have to give it to Elizabeth Berkeley, man. I, look, it's not a great movie. Uh, I love watching it, uh, but it's not a great movie. It's not a perf- great performance, but I think she was, I think she did what she was asked to do and she got an incredible shape to do it. And she brings it in this movie. Mm-hmm. You can you cannot say that she didn't do her all in this movie. And look, whatever she was asked to do, took heaps of abuse for this role. Right? Took yeah, heaps absolutely, of it. absolutely. Again, like I, you know, this is the the sad thing about movies like this is that you don't have to take it out on the actor. Take no. it out on the movie itself if you want to. Uh, the way that the scene is presented and everything, you don't have to get personal about all these different yeah. things. Yeah. And boy, I can't imagine what she went through uh, during all of this. Uh, you know, uh, you kind of, you kind of want to like go back in time and be like, you know, everybody needs to stop being dicks. Uh, but um, uh, not that that would help. You not show up in the middle of a square. I'm from the yeah. future. Everyone needs to stop being dicks. <laughs> yeah, let's exactly. Let's, let's use the Tesseract to send the skunk back in time uh, and spray yes. all the people who were mean to her. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Let, uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, yeah. Uh, one of one of the uh, all-time uh, enduring midnight uh movie experiences uh i myself went to the old franklin cinema and watched this at least two times uh and i've seen it at the bell court as well on a midnight show tim curry uh is uh is uh frankenfurter in this one and susan sarandon still susan sarandon she married chris sarandon that long ago susan Mm -hmm. sarandon susan sarandon's in this and you have uh uh, who's the, is it Barry Bostwick is in this, uh, it plays, yes. uh, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, who, who else has experience with Rocky horror picture show? So my, I'm going to, I'm going to fall on my sword. Um, I would say this is on my list of shame, but I don't really have any shame at having missed it <laughs> and I don't have any plans <laughs> to see it, <laughs> but it is one of the more famous movies that I've never seen. And my experience with this is specifically, boiled down to uh the perks of being a wallflower when mm. they do that recreation in front of the screen that's mm-hmm. all i know that's all i know <clears throat> that's all i know that was the Interesting. thing that was the thing franklin cinema you'd go and you'd watch it and there would be people dressed up as the characters in the movie and they would act it out uh mm. in front of the movie um and uh and uh, of course, there's a, a, a basically a script that you follow as an audience member in making fun of the movie uh, as it goes through it. But uh, it it's been so long now since I've seen this movie, I can't even remember how they get in the house. And, <laughs> they break down, and and, uh, and uh, like all the stuff starts happening, and Meatloaf shows up on a motorcycle. That's and, right. That's right, Eddie. <laughs> no, I mean, I, look. It, it, what's weird about me, I've, I've, I've experienced this movie, you know, probably half a dozen times or so. I've never been to a midnight show of it. I've actually watched the movie. Um, mm. And uh, yes, it's not the greatest thing ever made, but, and this is definitely one of the more culty movies uh, that, that, that you'll see. But Tim Curry is absolutely lightning in the bottle uh, mm. for Dr. Frankenfurter. Of course, he's, he's trans in this movie, which, what is it, 1975, 1976 mm-hmm. or, or 75. so? 
uh, is certainly not, you know, something that was portrayed in, 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 you know, popular cinema. Uh, Susan Sarandon was on her way to being a big star. Meatloaf was a, had a big career in music. Uh, and I really enjoy it. Uh, you know, it, it's got, you know, very libertine sex. Uh, you know, Tim Curry goes in and seduces Susan Sarandon. Then he goes in and fucks her, her husband or her fiance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, this, this is presented and, and, and during this whole thing, he's making his perfect man, his, his Rocky, his, his, mm-hmm. his, his beautiful creation. And, uh, at the end, as he dies, you know, the, the creation brings him, uh, down to death as the, the chorus swells and everything. And it's a, you know, obviously a very Frankenstein's monster, uh, type of situation. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's so campy. And it's so over the top and it's so nuts. They definitely, man, pull the, the cap off of the crazy box uh, for, for this movie. Uh, they do whatever they want to. Uh, and the music mm-hmm. I, I love very much. So I really enjoy this movie as a movie. Uh, I'm sure it would be fantastic as an experience at the midnight showings. I just haven't done it yet. So this is very interesting. You've never heard the the jokes that people throw out in the midnight shows before i think i i think i've read about them and i've heard them secondhand uh but oh, i've never experienced them first that's fascinating yeah, because it's a completely different experience um i've seen the room twice and i've never seen the uh midnight show uh, yeah well although the room doesn't have a set uh thing of yeah. uh, what you're supposed to say although there are its moments where people yeah throw spoons and they say different it's always a different experience with the room but uh rocky hour picture show has that scene where like riffraff is like turning that like that whatever that churn or whatever Mm -hmm. i don't know what it is uh before he does that someone will always yell out hey riffraff show us how you fuck your sister and then and and it's like and he does that churn thing and then it's like and then everybody's like that's not it and then it keeps going faster and faster that's not it and then there it is um um uh so yeah there's i i don't even remember very many other jokes that are in that rocky horror <laughs> thing but it used to be i feel like there's a script basically because it yeah. was almost the same experience over and over again uh yeah rocky horror picture shows definitely in that bonkers category mm-hmm. Let, uh, let's see what we want to I, th- I think fear and loathing in las vegas is a perfectly uh good movie to end this on mm-hmm. um we're we're not going to get to everything on the list of course we're not we can do this again this is fun I mean, yeah we'll always do this again at some point but uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, based on the Hunter S. Thompson book, which I read in college. Yeah. I read this shit before the movie came out. Perfect time uh, to read it. Yeah, and um, it was being made when I was in college. Um, uh, but uh, Terry Gilliam uh, took this, got Johnny Depp to play Hunter S. Thompson and Benicio Del Toro as his buddy. And, oh, my God, this movie. I, at first, I hated this movie. And then I watched it. I don't know, last year sometime. And I loved it. Yep. Fucking mm. loved this yep. movie. Mm. Cause there's so many funny things in it. So many. I um, agree. Yeah. Uh, the, especially the film that they, he watches when he goes in and there's that, it's like that, 
anti-drug thing or whatever. And he's like, how do you spot a drug user or a marijuana user or whatever? He's like, he will, he has all these different things. <laughs> One of them is his, his pants will all, will be stiff from all the semen, that, you know, whatever, from masturbating or whatever. <laughs> it's like it's, from it's, ruthlessly it's, masturbating. And then, uh, Raul Duke or Johnny Depp looks down at his pants at a stain and starts scraping yeah. at it. <laughs> Listen, I watched this movie. My again, I, my only experience with this movie was uh, the forty minutes I watched of it with two guys who were literally on shrooms, <laughs> and I had a lot of fun. I'm not sure the movie itself would would give me the same level of fun if I didn't have two dudes on shrooms watching it with me every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have yet to see it start to finish, and I've yet to see it without really fucked up friends uh who were laughing at things that that were not even jokes not even intended jokes everything mm-hmm. in that movie that movie's liar liar to people on shrooms um, <clears throat> yeah i love that whole thing about like uh, the cop is chasing him and he, he he's like most people will pull pull right over when a cop comes up behind them this is wrong. <laughs> let the bastard, let the pig chase you. <laughs> let the pig chase you. Yeah. As he pulls over, like he's, he's standing by the car. Like, and of course it's Gary Busey. He's yeah. like, may I have a kiss? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and like, you know, they're, they're, uh, he's, he's sitting there thinking to himself that they're driving around, where there's going to be a bunch of vampire bats coming around at this point or whatever. And then he tells Benicio del Toro, don't stop. It's bat country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Toby Maguire, they pick up Toby Maguire and, and, and he has a fun role in this, mm-hmm. in this, uh, uh Christina Ricci, like, Craig B. Erico yeah, it's is like, in this. It's like more, it's more, I mean, there's so many stars in this. You don't even realize it until you, until you, uh, uh, watch it i mean you could you could sit there and look at the imdb and like well that's a lot of stars but it's like when you watch it it's like incre- incredible <laughs> there's a scene uh where uh, they're in the the elevator and craig bierko is playing the sort of the uh the photographer uh is with uh cameron diaz mm-hmm. uh, and uh <laughs> and she's she's trying to talk to benicio del toro who's playing uh, uh depp's lawyer and uh she's like do you ride and Craig Bierko <laughs> knows who Dr. Gonzo is, who who the lawyer is. And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, I ride. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, oh, what are you riding? And he's like, you know, I wear the, ride the big fucking ones. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the big ones. And, <laughs> and Bierko laughs. And there's this wonderful scene where, where like, he's like, what the fuck did you just do? And he <laughs> goes up to Bierko, who's this weenie in this movie. And he's like, what the fuck did you just do? And he gets up and Bierko's face is like, nothing, nothing. I didn't do anything. And so Del Toro pulls off this big knife, huge knife. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know what I'm going to do? You know what I do to, to people like you? And he's like, I don't know what. And he's like, I'm going to do the. <laughs> and he like thrusts at him, but stops before he hits him. And mm-hmm. Bierko, when he does that, he's like. <laughs> 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 he makes this wonderful noise. And of course, I love oh, him too. So when the the maid comes in and they sees this uh, part this hotel room they've just completely thrashed probably looks like a regular johnny depp uh yeah that's hotel true room. that's true mm-hmm. uh 
but uh, he 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 attacks the maid, or he or he, does he have a gun or a knife? I can't remember what it is. Uh, he's got a gun with him, but he puts it away. Yeah, yeah, but he he's he's he, they know she knows that there's like some sort of anti drug convention in this in this hotel. And she goes, she goes, don't do anything. Don't, don't hurt me. I'm against drugs. And, and Johnny <laughs> Depp's like, drugs. Yeah, I hate drugs. And, and Johnny Depp is like, so do we. <laughs> After he's done all the drugs, yeah, all yeah. the drugs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they're on a, they're on a top secret assignment. No, this is a, yeah. this is a fun movie. And Gilliam, oh, so I love me some Gilliam. You could put Brazil in here if you wanted to. Yeah. I love uh, Brazil. We, and we'll maybe mention Monty Python at some point. Uh, you know, he, it's a dude that'll go for something, man. Uh, he'll, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll do what he won't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, he tried to do uh, Don Quixote at one point <laughs> and uh, didn't quite work out, which is uh, the, the uh, subject of that documentary about how nobody can make Don Quixote. That's right. And it seems like it's uh, impossible to make. All right. Uh, do you guys have some more bonkers movies that you want to talk about? Go to Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. We're also on CinemaSins Twitter, Music Video Sins Twitter, Discord, and SoundCloud. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Sherry. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Reddit, and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. You have to ask me about my what? Your skunk experience. Oh, that scared the shit out of me, man. Terrifying. That scared the shit out of me. Uh, I I have gone outside again since then, but not, not after... The face off because so I didn't this, know where the this fuck is he was. out the back door, right? Yeah, yeah. This is like he had he. Now I leave the gate open for most part of the day, so he walked right through the gate between my pool and my my grill. He was in the backyard. He was in. He was on the patio. Oh shit! No, he was like probably eight ten feet away from me. Oh, and we both just froze. Shit. And I like I didn't even. I, I wish I'd have taken a picture or something, but I was too fucking freaked out. And yeah, I'd, of course. Once I got back inside, unsprayed, I was like, "That's that's it. I'm not going out again." And I went back to check, and he was still fucking there. And I was like, "Man, he's not." He's like, "Well, yeah, he's me. he's figured out like this is my territory now." <laughs> yeah, that guy's afraid of me. I'm the alpha, and my my wife's dad actually had a pet skunk when he was a kid. It was uh, deglanded or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he called it Snidely Whiplash. He loved it. <clears throat> hmm. Pets are adorable. I think so too. I mean, yeah, yeah. this was, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago in rural Kentucky. I'm not sure laws were exactly being followed, but. <clears throat> so you get out there, this motherfucker's standing right there. Yeah, you both freeze. Up. Yep. You're I, so I, close I, to the house that not only if you get sprayed, you're going to get sprayed, but then like a lot of the house and the house outdoor issue even indoors we had a we had a a skunk spray at our old house outside and the whole house smelled like skunk for like two days fuck Um, that so So you just did you back off did you just i was literally i was my back was basically to the door so i just (laughs) opened and slammed the door went back inside 
breathed pretty hard. Had a little mini panic attack, and then yeah, uh, from what I understand, it's um not easy to get that stink out if it ever gets <laughs> if it gets into your clothes. I remember an episode of MythBusters where they tried like a bunch of different potential remedies to get skunk spray out. One of them got sprayed on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like jackass but it was mythbusters um and like one of the things they tried was a bath in uh marinara sauce i think mm. but the, ultimately not a not a bit worked not that oh, for real no. i thought tomato sauce or tomato juice or whatever maybe i don't re- I, I remember wow well, it was years ago I, I remember feeling like the conclusion was nothing really helps don't get sprayed by a skunk but i could be wrong <laughs> <laughs> i got indirectly sprayed one time when we were camping oh, uh, but I, I didn't get the full effect that was my buddy Robert, who uh, ended up. My girlfriend cheated on with him, cheated on me <laughs> with him. So fuck that guy. I'm glad he got sprayed. Yeah, he probably skunk. deserved it then. <clears throat> Robert, that skunk was probably doing you a favor, doing you a this solid. This was long before that oh. happened, but it oh. was. He knew that skunk knew. It mm-hmm. was like uh, Interstellar. Like you know, it was like a rival. Like he went. He... <laughs> the skunk was a tesseract. <laughs> he was like, "Bitch, I know what you're doing." And Barrett, Barrett from the future is like, "More, please, more, no Murph, no Murph, <laughs> no Murph." <laughs> Did you see? The photos everyone posted of Megan Fox's outfit at the Met Gala. Like, I saw that. If they can post that on news sites, then I don't know why we can't post straight up nudity on YouTube because Did she you? was naked. Are you talking about the VMAs or the Met Gala? Whichever. The uh, the one where she was pretty the sure dressed. VMAs. That, that was the VMAs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was VMAs. I didn't okay. know if she wore it again for the Met Gala. because that no. was there was also talk about Machine Gun Kelly getting in a fight with Colin McGregor or That's Colin right. McGregor was Colin McGregor just Connor. threw some water at Machine Gun Kelly or whatever. Two people that I. I, I I definitely would want Machine Gun Kelly to come out on top, but that's like one of those. Uh, yeah, I mean, Machine Gun Kelly hasn't Machine Gun Kelly hasn't done anything wrong. I don't yeah. think so it makes some bad music. Oh, uh, we missed a booby. Well, no. <laughs> I just don't. I mean, it's a, there's a difference in my mind between like. Uh, Who's somebody that's got like one tattoo? <laughs> that's well, famous. Justin Timberlake, I think. Well, he may have more than one, but he's got that big cross on his. Yeah, okay. Shoulder, so there's which that. Which looks great. That's a perfect. That and looks then really there's good. There's Post Malone. Yeah. Where I'm like, why? Like, he's got like is, the barbed wire right across his hair. This is a cry is for back. help. Yeah. This is somebody who needs attention. This is somebody who's getting attention who needs even more. I don't get it. Anyway, let's stop bashing on people because of their appearance. Um, I'm sure they're all lovely. I'm sure Machine Gun, Machine Gun Kelly is an, a lovely guy. He's a better actor than he is a musician. I'm sure he returns the favor, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, do you like his music? You liked his uh, Valentine song. My right? Bloody Valentine is the only song of his I've heard that I like, and I I get the sense that's the exception to the rule for me with him. Like mm-hmm. that, I would not like his normal stuff. I know he's an actor, and I haven't seen him in any acting. And he did good in that Motley Crue thing that you guys yeah. saw. Yeah. Um, music wise, it's not for me. Now, the other dude that's dating the Kardashian, Travis 
Barker, mm-hmm. like he's even more worthless, in my opinion, musically. It's <laughs> a great drummer. And he's got a penis tattoo on his head. Are you serious? He's got a penis tattoo, huh? I'm saying there's a tattoo on his head that looks very phallic in that picture I tweeted last night. Because uh, mm. I didn't had... examine the the tattoo. There's it. It looks very phallic. It does to me. There's one that goes from the the front of his. If you open that image in a new tab, you can zoom on it. Like and if you zoom on it, it, it's probably like a. It looks kind of like it's maybe like a Mona Lisa or Virgin Mary with a circular thing around yeah, her head yeah, yeah yeah oh you but think that looks like a penis it looks like a dick the the uh the madonna yep looks like a dick <laughs> too many dicks on the dance floor too many dicks <laughs> you think the virgin mary looks like a dick uh don't don't put words in my mouth <laughs> well you think that representation of the virgin mary looks like a dick yeah sometimes Things look like dicks, even though they're not intended to. I don't know if I'm there with you, man. It's a, it's a phallic. I wouldn't put it past him to have asked for a phallic Virgin Mary. Can you it, give me a phallic what, what Virgin Mary head? tattoo? Is the head the head? Her head is the head. You the have head to ignore, of the dick. Yeah, you have to ignore the circle around her head. I just kind of... Oh, I oh I got you. Yeah, this is a dick. Huh. <laughs> Anyway, point is his music is even worse. That's really what I want. He's a very good drummer. Drummer, okay. He's a drummer. I I see him. Does he actually make other music? I don't even. Maybe who am I thinking of? Travis Scott. That's the guy I'm thinking of. Travis Scott is a whole different thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Phew. Phew. No, Travis Travis Barker was. You confuse Travis Barker and Travis Scott. That's racist. Travis Barker was the the drummer from Blink One Eighty Two. Oh, I posted that picture, and my, one of my cousins replied, two of these people are in their forties." <laughs> I just thought that was a funny reply because they're all acting like teenagers in that picture. Well, it is fucked up because yeah, Barker and uh, and Megan Fox are in their forties, right? Um, Megan Fox is not in her forties. Courtney Kardashian is in her forties. Courtney Kardashian might be in her 40s. Like, Kim Kardashian just turned, like, 41, I think. Well, Courtney's older than her. Is Courtney older than her? Yeah. My wife used to watch that show back in the early days before everybody hated her. I thought she was the oldest for some reason. I thought Courtney was the oldest and Kim was the middle. Yeah, Courtney is 42. She's actually my age. Well, she's a little bit... The point is, they're all too old to be doing this. Yeah. No, I agree. Maybe Machine Gun Kelly. And that's the only one. (laughs) They even came out at the VMAs and announced them as our future baby daddies. Like, I feel like they are puppy loving right now. I'm getting more power to them. You know, I've been married for 14 years. I don't remember what it's like. Maybe it's addictive. But, like, grow up. Like, act like you've been there before. Wear clothes. Act like you've been there before. <laughs> All right, Machine Gun Kelly is 31. How old do you think Megan Fox is, Chris? Oh, she's 35. I know that. Off really? The yeah. That's probably about right. Yeah, well, I'm sure he's right. I saw a, a clip yesterday that was hilarious that somebody posted to Reddit. Uh, basically, um, one of the first times Seth Rogen was ever on Jimmy Kimmel's show, Megan Fox was the guest uh, or the co-guest. And um, she even came into his dressing room before the show and asked him to stay out when she came out to be interviewed 
because it would make her feel more relaxed. And Seth Rogen is like, awesome. All right, cool. With Megan Fox, this huge star, Transformers just came out. And so when he's when he gets up to change seats, Kimmel announces her and walks over and they kiss each other on the cheek. And Kimmel goes back to his desk and she walks up to Seth Rogen and he goes to do the cheek kiss and she just walks right by him. Oh. <laughs> and he makes this face like, yeah, and sits down. <laughs> but the video right. I, I watched was his next appearance on Kimmel. And he's telling the story about, you know, I'm pretty sure the last time I was on here, I had this awkward interaction with Megan Fox. And Kimmel's like, actually, we pulled the video so that we can show you. And he walks him through it again. And it's every bit as cl- like cringy as you would expect. He's just like, going in for the cheek kiss and she's like not gonna kiss you dude that's funny yeah i know you guys don't like those uh late night shows and i I, i've fallen out of love with them too except for maybe colbert uh but i still uh, like watching colbert but one thing that i wish he would be better at and it's hard to do at for a nightly show he obviously puts more time into the opening monologue than anything yeah there's like every interview he does like i mean it's it's become a joke now and it's funny to them to bring this up but like have you seen the movie oh yeah of course i've totally seen the movie you know like and he's he's never seen the movie or he's never read the book (laughs) he should Uh, know better man because uh john stewart always read the book that's the one thing i heard from colbert himself mm -hmm. back in the day when he went right when he left uh to do his own show he was like when John Stewart has these authors on that nobody's heard of, they're writing like environmental protection books and shit like that, or history books. He's read those books before mm-hmm. he interviews these people. And he's yeah. like, that always impressed me. So, so it yeah. shows it shows when he interviews how little he knows about his person he's talking about. Yeah. Or he's he's doing his questions with. So like like, you know, it, you know, it would be nice for him to know even some of her their background, like some of their uh, older movies. Even yeah. if he hasn't, if he hasn't had time to to watch the one that they're promoting, then at least know something about prior movies and things like that. And it just it doesn't look like he does know those things. So Man. Like, <clears throat> it's kind of it, I love Colbert, but that's I I cannot. I can almost skip every interview he does. I will occasionally watch some that are really interesting figures, but yeah, yeah. my God, it's so, yeah. so clear. He doesn't know everything. About when it. I, I was doing that, um, like small town media tour for whichever one of my books I did that for, I think it was the second Abel's book when I went to Baltimore and then mm-hmm. I drove to Memphis that one time, like mm-hmm. they were all, nobody knew who the fuck I was or what the books were. So they were all standard questions. The very last interview I did was at the Memphis library for this little known podcast that this guy does about books. And I go in there into the bowels of the library and we sit down and he's like, I was really fascinated by Philip's journey through these two books and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, Oh shit. And he, <laughs> he started asking questions and I was like, I don't remember that character. Oh my God. <laughs> like he had not only read them, he had prepared. And I'm like, dude, I wrote that like two years ago. I don't really mm-hmm. remember. I don't know. 
Yeah. <clears throat> it's kind of like when they, uh, whenever you see people who've, who've done, you know, like the Simpsons voices or whatever, mm. and people ask them about certain <laughs> episodes and stuff. And it's like, eh, I don't remember that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like I get that some authors are there. Like I, I follow Christopher Paolini who wrote Aragon and, um, <clears throat> And people will ask him questions about his world and his characters all the time. And he knows everything. He's the, he is the Cimmerillion of his own mm. works. And mm. I would never beat that. People could say to me, hey, why did, why did Chaz do this thing in chapter 20? I'm like, I wrote a character named Chaz. That doesn't sound <laughs> like me. <clears throat> I write it. I read it when it's, you know, proofed. And I'm done. I move on. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not how yeah. I work. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> if I had a body like that, I wouldn't wear clothes ever. I don't know, man. I have a body like that, but I don't like showing it off. It makes me feel subconscious. Mm. Makes me feel subconscious as well. It's self-conscious, not subconscious. <laughs> Unconscious. Probably. Um, I I don't. I would eBay. actually like I, the opposite. I actively do not want them. Mm-hmm. Well, to each his own. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing that Sopranos rewatch, oh, and no. when uh, when Chris gets uh, gets made, and uh, Polly keeps fucking with him, and is you know making sure he's he's not wearing a wire and shit, and like he bursts into his apartment. He goes in and he sniffs Adriana's panties. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Tony calls him out on it. And he's like, look, they're not married yet. And Tony's like, come on. <laughs> they're not married and he's like, yet. Look, when he, puts, when he puts a ring on that finger, anything that touches a pussy will not touch my nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to make a rule about that. <laughs> He's like, you sniffed your panties, Polly. <laughs> it's like, give me a break, Tone. <laughs> Doesn't Christopher find out about that? He saw him in the mirror when he was yeah. when he was doing it. Because he's right. going through the thing and he's like He pauses for a second, he's like Fucking Polly. <laughs> so if Chris had not asked for that break, I would have missed seeing this. <laughs> What's this? This is my cat twisted in a pretzel on my <laughs> wife's lap. Oh. <laughs> Which one? And is I, that? I wouldn't have got to see that's killed. I wouldn't have got to see that if you hadn't requested that break. <laughs> you wouldn't have seen it. Well, she took pictures, but I wouldn't have got to see it live. Nice. Ah, I see. It's not. He doesn't do. He doesn't do this very regular. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. that's fucked up. <laughs> he's like <clears throat> yoga pose yoga pose downward facing upward facing spiral facing 